Welcome back to another episode of the Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. Today, we are talking about the most undervalued players at each position in fantasy football today. We are covering the quarterback, running back, wide receivers, and tight ends. We have two running backs, two wide receivers, and two other players that we feel are the most undervalued players that we want to talk about today. And stay tuned because we're going to be ending the show with the wide receiver that Alex and I agree. He's probably the most undervalued player in fantasy football right now. And before we get to that, Alex, I know you're really excited to talk about an undervalued running back. Why don't you start us off with that? Yeah, this is a guy that I definitely was not on at the very beginning of the season, but I've come on to as the season has gotten closer and closer. And that's Cam Akers. I mean, Cam Akers was the running back five over the last seven weeks of last season. He was also seventh in yards after contact per attempt behind only Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, and Damian Pierce. Now Daryl Henderson is gone, and he has almost no competition behind him. And Sean McVay himself has said that Cam Akers will be a central figure in this offense this year and that he's really built off the momentum that he had last year after the Achilles injury. And I think that he is going to be coming full force into this fantasy season as a top 15 running back. Now, what happens with Matt Stafford this year? Does his health impact Cam Akers at all? Well, keep in mind that Matthew is that Cam Akers had that big stretch last year without Matthew Stafford for a lot of it. So with Baker Mayfield and these other quarterbacks, they're not as good. And without Cooper Cup for some of those games, Cam Akers had his best stretch of the season. So I think that regardless of the quarterback, the volume is king. And as long as he's seeing around 20 touches per game, he's going to produce from a fantasy football perspective. I am in the camp that, you know, Baker Mayfield might be the running back whisper, and that might be why Cam Akers was so awesome at the end of the year last year. But I do agree. This is an undervalued offense as a whole right now. A lot of people discounting Cup, Stafford, and Cam Akers. So, Alex, I think I might be in agreement he is undervalued, but I don't think he's as undervalued as David Montgomery, who right now is the RB27. And I want to talk about the Lions red zone usage because the only team who had more red zone plays than the Lions last year were the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. The Lions ended up having 95 red zone rushes last year. That was the fourth most. And Jamal Williams had nine more red zone carries than the next highest running back. This is the offense that had the fifth most points scored and the most yards of any team in the NFL. And yes, those numbers are all likely to regress. But Ben Johnson is coming back as the Lions offensive coordinator for the second year in a row. And they should have a similar offensive identity. So the reason I love David Montgomery is because this offense is going to be relatively same year over year. You know, no Jamison Williams for the first six games probably will look identical to what they looked last year. And I could see David Montgomery finishing top 10 in red zone rushes because let's be honest, Jameer Gibbs, he's not handling red zone duty. And, but he might not be handling red zone duty, but the Lions running backs overall last year were second in expected fantasy points. Where are you willing to draft David Montgomery? How high are you willing to draft him? And what does his ceiling look like if Gibbs stays healthy for every game this year? Yeah, so obviously we love that pass-catching upside that a running back brings to the table, but Jamal Williams didn't really have a ton of that last year. That was the DeAndre Swift role. I was looking at the running backs last season, the top 10 running backs by red zone carries, and the lowest was Tyler Algier. He was the running back 22. And last I checked, 27 is a lower number than 22. So I think that his floor is at least 22, and I think that his ceiling is a top 10 running back, assuming that the touchdown volume is still there. I would be willing to to take that risk and have him as like if I'm playing zero RB, having David Montgomery as my RB1 or RB2. I really do think that he is going to continue to surprise and be a league winner in Detroit this season. 
Yeah, I think people forget just how great these Lions running backs are for the scheme is, at least for a fantasy football perspective. But another player that's playing in the same division of the NFC North that I could take over his backfield is none other than Khalil Herbert for the Bears. The highest drafted running back for the Bears right now at running back 40, which is not even a starting running back in the NFL. Last year, he was one of three running backs to be both top five in rushing yards over expected and rushing yards after contact. The only other players to do it were Nick Chubb and Tony Pollard. That is it. Khalil Herbert was also 10th in a missed tackle force per rate, and he was second in percentage of runs for 10 plus yards. This running back room without David Montgomery now has over 240 vacated touches. And in Khalil Herbert's career, he averages 15.9 fantasy points when he sees at least 11 plus carries, which actually would have been a top 10 running back in fantasy football last year in this running back 40 range where he's the highest bear running back drafted i am scared of roshan johnson but clil herbert has proven when he gets the opportunities he produces in fantasy football pollard chubb and Khalil Herbert are three of my favorite guys just from an efficiency standpoint. I'm devastated, Alex. I had to trade away Khalil Herbert in one of my fantasy leagues last year. But I actually breathed a sigh of relief when I saw that the Bears drafted Roshan Johnson. Does that make you at all concerned about how this backfield might look, considering that Justin Fields will also probably get 20 to 30% of the team's carries? Yeah, it totally does. But it doesn't completely scare me because Roshan Johnson was still a day three drafted running back and of 299 day three or later drafted running backs since 2011 there's only been five ever to be a top 20 running back in fantasy football I think with, with this offense will be with Justin Fields and what this running room running back room is going to produce I think the upside is completely there and again like I'm talking about in these late rounds you can get the 10th round or later you can get a starting running back in what should be a really good offense under Justin Fields, at least from a running perspective, I think all signs are pointing up for none other than Khalil Herbert. And I know you love Justin Fields. You're going to talk about him in just a minute. Before you do, I'm going to talk about a guy who is incredibly undervalued in his backfield by it's a bit of a committee but none other than Damian Harris he's the RB 38 right now yes that backfield is going to be a committee but my opinion he is easily the best back in the backfield and he has a path to be a top 24 running back this season because he's in a top three NFL offense and he's probably the most talented back last year could have and should have been the James Cook breakout year and it was not he was the rb60 on a per game basis despite having the 48th most rushes big discrepancy there he was inefficient he had low volume and most importantly he had one third of the red zone work of devin singletary who is now gone whereas harris averaged 12 and a half points per game before getting injured in week five and then was forced to watch the ramondre stevenson show the reason that I think I, we can still be high on Harris is because despite seeing 54% of the team's rushes, he's, uh, or sorry, the, yeah, the team's rushes before his injury, he saw only 20% after, but he had 12 and a half points per game. I mean, Damian Harris, even if he's not the starter, we can still expect him to be the goal line back. I think he is stellar. I'm excited to draft him. Uh, is his path for fantasy finishes this year? Like, is his path to finishing in the top 24 only off the touchdowns? Or do you think there is a little bit of receiving work to have? Like, I mean, I'm one of the people that thinks that the James Cook role is going to be a little bit overrated. He's never seen 15 carries in a game 
in the NFL or in college. So I think that Damian Harris is probably going to lead this team in carries. I mean, Devin Singletary's done it for the last couple of years and had productive seasons in fantasy, and he was never really a great pass catcher. But is the touchdown volume the only path for Damian Harris to finish in these top 20 running backs? I'd say it probably is, but I don't see a world where James Cook gets that red zone volume that we are expecting Damian Harris to have. I don't think that Damian Harris will be a top 12 back, but keep in mind, he's just two years removed from being second in rushing touchdowns in the NFL. He's a very talented red zone back. He is a big bodied guy. And when he's going as late as the RB 43 on keep cut trade, I just don't understand why we can't have a little bit of love for Damian Harris. Well, especially when he was a, a top 10 running back in PFF rushing grade in two of the prior three seasons, I think that we should be a lot higher on him than we are right now. But let's move to the quarterback position. The guy for me that is undervalued, similar to Cleo Herbert, is Justin Fields. And I'm not as high on the pass-catching weapons of this team, but Justin Fields and Cleo Herbert are my main targets for this offense. Justin Fields last year, was the QB3 in fantasy points per game from week six on. That's over two-thirds of the season. And over the entirety of last season, he was number one in fantasy points per snap. Go back two years before Jalen Hurts destroyed the entire NFL last year with his fantasy points. He was the number one quarterback in fantasy points per snap. And that led to me being drafting him all over in fantasy football because I knew that that per snap thing is going to continue. He's going to be fantastic. Now, Justin Fields, the number one fantasy quarterback in points per snap. And I think that he's only going to get better. I mean, he was the QB seven last year on a team that had the fewest pass attempts in the NFL. He's now going into his third year where he should be even better on top of adding DJ Moore getting Darnell Mooney back, and a full season of Chase Claypool. This passing game might not look amazing, but with some of these weapons back in the leap that he should take with another year in the NFL, I'd be shocked if he doesn't finish top as a top five quarterback this year. I think we all will agree Justin Fields' upside is the ceiling. He could finish as the QB1. What are you expecting the offensive identity of the Bears to look like this year? Do you think that he needs to take a step forward as a passer to finish as the QB1? Or do you think he can get there on rushing upside alone? Yeah, I think that he is going to have to take a step forward um, as a passer. But I think that he did. I mean, over the course of the last season, he was much better in the second half than he was in the first half. And don't forget, of all quarterbacks, including Trevor Lawrence, over 2019 and 2020, Justin Fields had the highest completion percentage over expected in all of college football. It's not like this guy is like a joke of a passer. He's actually was a really great passer in college. He hasn't shown it in the NFL yet, but he's made improvements. And I think those improvements are going to continue. I don't think the weapons or the offensive line is going to favor him as much as a passer, but as long as he takes a little room forward, I think their offensive identity looks similar to the Eagles where Last year, the Eagles were 24th in pass attempts, but we're still up in the top five in, in points per game as a team. I don't know if the Bears are going to get there, but I would expect them to be outside the top 20 in pass attempts, but be a lot more productive of an offense as a whole. I think DJ Moore will also just help move that offense forward. I think that they won't defenses won't be afraid of how the Bears will beat you on the ground, because I do think that Justin Fields will be able to prove he can beat you through the air, too. There's an underrated quarterback who will only beat you through the air, and it's Kirk Cousins. I'm going to be talking about him because his personnel is going to make him a much better quarterback than we're expecting right now. He's being drafted as the QB 13 on underdog, but his wide receiver is the wide receiver one. 
His tight end is the tight end three and his wide receiver two is going as the wide receiver two in your rookie draft board. So Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. Those are guys that underdog has projected to score a total of 34 fantasy points per game among just the three of them. Never mind any check downs or rushing yards that Kirk Cousins might get. So for Kirk Cousins to sustain those three guys, he's going to have to deliver at least 21 fantasy points per game to meet those expectations. And he had 18 fantasy points per game last year and finished as the QB seven. So either cousins is underrated as the QB 13 on underdog because he's only projected to score 17 fantasy points per game or we're too high on his talent. So think about maybe where you lie there. Me personally, I think that we are underrating Kirk Cousins's ceiling this year. Yeah, I completely agree on the Kirk Cousins. I mean, people forget just how high of a passing volume team this was last year where they were third in pass attempts. They were third in catchable targets per game. And this offense is going to continue to throw at one of the highest rates in the NFL. I think that Dalvin Cook, although people want to act like he was washed, was still a above average runner in the NFL last year. And with what they have now with Alexander Madison and the running backs behind him, they're just not going to be as productive as Dalvin Cook. So I would expect this team to continue to throw probably even more than they did last year. Their defense still is not going to be very great. So I think that their team is not going to struggle for pass attempts. I really like these pass catchers in this offense where last year, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, both top two in the NFL in routes per game. But do you think that, what do you say to the people that are saying that Kirk Cousins doesn't have a true ceiling? Like right now you're getting him at a solid value, but do you yeah. want to be going after that top five ceiling? And if he doesn't have it, like, why are you drafting him? That's a really great point because this isn't a quarterback who has QB one upside. We're definitely iffy on the talent. He ranked 13th in EPA per dropback last year. And the team was being called a fraud all the way to getting blown out in the playoffs because they finished with a minus three point margin that ranks in the ninth percentile among playoff teams dating back to 2000. So you're not drafting Kirk Cousins for that QB one upside. You're drafting him for his incredibly safe floor. You draft him at QB 13, that's his floor. His upside, he was QB 7 last year. That's still, if you're in a 12-person a league, you're in the bottom half. But you could be drafting you know, the QB 7 at the very, very, very end of your drafts. I know we love to stack. Stacking with Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson. There's some upside there for sure. He's one of, I think, the most underrated quarterbacks right now, along with Dak Prescott. But undeniably, does not have top three upside. Yeah, the safety, absolutely there. Top 13 QB in seven out of the last eight seasons. QB won almost every single year. But don't forget to stay tuned for the end of the show when we talk about the most underrated wide receiver in all of fantasy football. He's just a couple players away. But until we get there, still have a tight end to talk about. For me, it is Hayden Hurst who is going as the tight end 25 right now. And I think the problem is that people didn't see the same fantasy production maybe they were hoping for him last year because he had just two touchdowns. But the volume was there on a very good Cincinnati offense with some very tough target competition. I mean, he was 12th in targets, 16th in target share. He was targeted on 20% of his routes when all of Chase Higgins and Mixon were on the field. But I think where he really excels here is the fact that Frank Reich is now the head coach. I mean, the, the tight end position under Frank Reich over the last eight years has been phenomenal. At each of his stops as the offensive coordinator of the Eagles, the Chargers, and as the head coach of the Colts, every single season, 
His teams were seventh or better in targets per game at the tight end position over the years at each stop. And at every single stop over those years, he was at at least a 23% target share or better to the tight end position. I think almost all these snaps are going to go to Hayden Hurst. And I think that he is going to be a reliable pass catcher for the number one overall pick in Bryce Young. I think the thing too, to think about the Panthers offense is they really don't have a ton of wide receiver like talent. They don't really have a vet wide receiver. Yeah. They have Adam Thielen, but I think, you know, maybe the ship has sailed there. So Hayden Hurst could be the number one target earner on the offense, but do those targets feel like they could be valuable? Are we in on this offense? Because I, I'm not really sure how to feel about this passing game. Yeah. I think the only concern for me is the volume. Like I don't think this offense is going to be phenomenal. So they may not be throwing like a ridiculous amount per game. Like I don't project them to be, you know, over 30 pass attempts per game, but I think that if Hayden Hurst can get over a 20% target share, which he should have no trouble with these wide receivers like DJ shark, Adam Thielen. And I just think that, or John, even Jonathan Mingo, I think that ultimately that Hayden Hurst could end up leading this team in targets. And if he does so, I can't imagine him not finishing close to a tight end one right now. And where he's going in near the last round of your drafts or on waivers, I think that he could be really valuable around there. I completely agree, but there's one tight end that I'm really praying my league mates don't know I'm really high on in Sam Laporta. Honestly, if I could grab Sam Laporta in every single league, I probably will. He's going as the tight end 20 right now. This guy is top three upside. He's literally going to be TJ Hawkinson light because he is TJ Hawkinson's replacement. Before TJ Hawkinson was traded, he led his team in receiving yards, yards per reception, yak, and he moved the ball. And that's who Sam Laporta is. He was eighth last year in college among the tight end position in yards per game. And he's also at a 21% target share in three straight years. He's speedy with 91st percentile speed. There's no Jamison Williams, so he really will have an opportunity in the first six games to earn targets alongside of Amon Ross St. Brown. And he will be TJ Hawkinson light. His stat lines might look nearly identical to his last season. So getting him at the tight end 20 when he has that top three, top five tight end upside, I really hope I can grab him in every single draft. Yeah, my only concern is just like rookie tight ends in general. I mean, you yeah. look back all the way to 2010. I mean, that's 12 years sample size. There's only been five tight ends to surpass 40 receiving yards per game. Five. And 40 yeah. receiving yards per game in a 17-game season is less than 700 yards. So that does concern me. Like, I love the offense. I love the prospect. I have Sam Laporta. I got him in almost every single rookie draft this year. I really love him. But what do you say to the people that are like, Rookie tight ends are just not going to be given producers. And what do you think his path is to be to finishing maybe inside the top 12 finish this year? Yeah. I mean, I would say don't nitpick. Like I agree that that is very, you know, you don't want to see that, that tight end rookie tight ends don't typically produce, but you're also looking at an offense that needs to fill that tight end spot. I don't know that we've ever seen a prolific passing offense need to fill the tight end spot. Like the, the Falcons last you know, two years ago, three years ago, when they drafted Kyle Pitts, they weren't really a great passing offense. I mean, they had Matt Ryan at the time, but they weren't really like the, the Lions led the league last year in, in total yards. Like this is a stellar offense who has Brock Wright and Shane Zilstra, like 
Laporte is not going to struggle to earn targets when he's competing next to those guys. So I would agree. I'm a little afraid of the rookie tight end, but he has top five upside and that is undeniable. Yeah, I think a guy for me that is going around the same range as Sam Laporta that I will be drafting instead, but at a different position in the wide receivers, Nico Collins. I like Nico Collins is probably going to be my highest owned player in all of my best ball drafts and redrafts this year. I mean, last year he was one of nine players to have over a 40% end zone target share. The other eight have all had a top 15 finish at the wide receiver position in fantasy football. He also, from his rookie year to last year, increased his targets per route run from 16% to 23%. He has had a 25% target share when Brandon Cooks is not on the field. And even last year, I mean, he was the wide receiver 52 in points per game, but he's going 10 spots later with the wide receiver 62 with no Brandon Cooks. His only competition is Robert Woods, Noah Brown, John Mechie, and Dalton Schultz. And now he should be even better going into his third year as the cleared number one player on this team. I cannot get enough of Nico Collins at the wide receiver 62 in your drafts right now. I agree. There's not many guys who are probable to lead a team in target share going this late. It's why I really love Nico Collins. But again, I'm concerned about that passing offense. I don't love either of the two rookie quarterbacks um, that are projected to be the, the starting quarterback week one. Obviously we don't know about Anthony Richardson yet, but what are your thoughts on this passing offense? Will Nico Collins be able to produce enough? I think we agree he'll outproduce wide receiver 62, but what are you drafting him as? What are you hoping he can fill on your team? Yeah, I think for me, I'm hoping that he ends up as a low end wide receiver three, you know, someone that I can maybe start at least in my redraft teams, maybe six or seven weeks during the season that I think that like in certain matchups, he will be a target for me. Like, because like there's only been one rookie quarterback to ever have a top 12 wide receiver over the last decade. It was Justin Herbert with Keenan Allen a few years ago. And I don't expect Nico Collins or need him to be a wide receiver one, but when he's going in the final rounds of your drafts, if you can get, you know, five, six, seven weeks of production out of him, I think that he's going to be really productive. And if CJ Stroud is, you know, the player that the Texans expect him to be, Getting a player on that team that can lead the team in targets, I think, is really, really attractive at that point. And that's what you're drafting in your leagues. You are trying to draft guys that are going to have a lot of upside because talent gets you a lot of fantasy points, but so does volume. And that is why Marquise Brown is a wide receiver that I am targeting very aggressively at wide receiver 31 because it's very likely he leads this team in target share, not just because DeAndre Hopkins is gone, but also because he was the wide receiver six before his injury. And he's being drafted as the wide receiver 31. Want to know why this doesn't make sense to me, Alex? Because Kyler Murray won't be his quarterback to start the season. Fine. I get that. But prior to Marquise Brown's injury last year, the Cardinals were bottom five in yards per play and dead last in yards per attempt. This team doesn't need to be good at passing the ball for Marquise Brown to be a top 10 wide receiver. He did that last year. He did that through six weeks already. The offense doesn't need to be good for Brown to thrive. And Alex, I know you're really high on James Conner. You can listen more about that in last week's episode. I'm really high on Hollywood Brown. I think you would agree. There's no mistake that a relevant player can come and will come out of this offense. 
Yeah, my only problem is just like the are you going to be avoiding him in redraft leagues? Because it would be really hard to draft him like in the as a wide receiver, even the wide receiver 30, and then really not be able to play him much for the first few weeks of the season. I just don't see him being playable or reliable without Kyler Murray. And if I have to wait, you know, six or seven weeks to start him, he's going to be droppable in redraft leagues. The best ball target, I agree. But will you be taking him in redraft leagues at all? Yeah, absolutely. Again, we don't need Kyler Murray to be in this offense for him to be a prolific passer. This team was dead last in yards per pass attempt through the first six weeks of the NFL season. That's probably what's likely to happen this year too, but he was still the wide receiver six and he is going to be competing for targets with Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch. I think we know which of those three guys are going to be the leader in target share. So I'm trusting in Brown to do exactly what he did last year because he has that top 12 upside and he will lead this team in target share. And he's, if his floor is wide receiver 31, I just don't see it because I think his ceiling is as high as a top 10 wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. I think my only problem is just that in the games though, Kyler Murray, he finished outside the top 50 wide receivers three times and his best finish was wide receiver 24 in those games just worries me a little bit, but I see what you're saying in Marquise Brown, but once Kyler Murray's back, I am all in buying low on him again for me, best ball target fine redraft. I am avoiding him, but before we get into what we agree is the most undervalued wide receiver in all of fantasy football. Ben, we'll go back to you for your last guy, and then I will present the player that we've all been waiting for. I'm really excited for that, and I'm glad that you're talking about him because I wanted to, and you're going to do so much better. Uh, There is a guy, though, that I think you should be drafting at wide receiver 56 right now in Jacoby Myers because none of Jimmy Garoppolo's targets have ever had a team target share higher than 23% in a single season. Debo, He was the highest in 2021 with 23%. George Kittle, too, in 2019 had a 23% target share. And last year, Alex, Debo, Ayuk, CMC, and Kittle all had between an 18 and 22% target share. Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball to everybody. He doesn't care if you're Devontae Adams, who, by the way, again, listen to last week's episode. He is not likely to have a target share higher than maybe 25% max. I talked about why I'm out on Devontae Adams' episode last week. So the wide receiver two in this offense who could have as low as a target share of 18% is going to be Jacoby Myers because he's had that for three straight seasons. It's one of the many reasons why I and many others prefer him to Hunter Renfro, who's going at wide receiver 80 right now. And part of that's also that Renfro lines up almost exclusively out of the slot, whereas Jacoby, he's mostly a slot receiver, but he's way more versatile. He lined up out of the slot 56% of the time last year, and he can do it all out wide in the slot, whatever. They have a very similar contract, and Jacoby was the wide receiver 28 last year after being the wide receiver 33 the year before, and now he's being drafted 20 spots later. Obviously, there's no top 12 upside, but he is massively undervalued and an easy flex options in your redraft leagues. Yeah, I have a hard time with him because like on one side of it, Hunter Renfro actually is great for Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers actually was top five in yards per route run among all wide receivers in the NFL last year on the outside. That's where he's going to play almost exclusively with someone like Hunter Renfro playing the slot each and every game. My problem with Jacoby Myers is just like, what is that ceiling like? Like Nico Collins is going like a a round or two later in fantasy football drafts right now. 
So what can you get from Jacoby Myers where he's being drafted around the wide receiver 50 range? Like, are you just hoping for a back end wide receiver three that you can get a few games? Or do you think that we could expect even more if all things strike right for Jacoby Myers? You know, when you talk about Nico Collins, yes, in the same breath, I prefer Nico Collins to Jacoby Myers. Wide receiver 62 for Nico Collins is just astonishingly way too low. But Jacoby Myers still brings a lot to the table in that if he has an 18% target share, again, like he has for the last three straight seasons, like Jimmy Garoppolo's wide receiver two almost always has, again, last year, 18 to 22% for all four of the top target earners in that offense. I think you're drafting a guy that's going to be a very relevant wide receiver three in fantasy football. Uh, he he does have that touchdown upside. Obviously, we didn't see him score a ton of touchdowns in New England, and I, I know you're a big New England fan, Alex, but that offense, yikes, has been terrifying for the past few years, ever since you know the GOAT left. And I think that because of that, we're devaluing what Jacoby Myers is capable of. He's been incredibly efficient. He's been very good at uh, earning separation on man routes and he can line up anywhere. He can beat you anywhere. Yes, he will be behind Devontae Adams in this offense, but he's still going to have a huge chunk of targets. Fair enough. I think we can agree to disagree for now on Jacoby Myers, but the player that we can all agree on that we've been teasing for a while is none other than Quentin Johnston for the Chargers. I think that he is going to be phenomenal, going as the wide receiver 42 in drafts right now. Don't forget, a rookie wide receiver has been top 24 in 11 straight years. Last year, the Chargers had the second most catchable targets in the NFL with 32.2. Derwin James recently just said that Quentin Johnston is that guy. Justin Herbert said that he is something special and will create a lot of plays. Kellen Moore has highlighted that Quentin Johnston's range is tremendous, and this offense is going to be around creating explosive opportunities for him. But I also love Kellen Moore for other reasons. I mean, Kellen Moore has never finished outside the top two in neutral pace. For a team that already passed as much as anybody in the NFL, the Chargers are going to lead the NFL in pass attempts. Keenan Allen is now over 30 years old. Mike Williams is 28. And as they both struggled with injuries last year and did not always stay on the field. And yes, this is going to be a tough offense. But if Keenan Allen or Mike Williams misses any time, or even if they don't, just with the sheer volume of this passing offense, I think that there are some super big things coming for Quentin Johnston this year. And that is before we even talk about the fact that he was drafted in the first round with a ridiculous production profile. And something you failed to mention, Alex, is that the Chargers are one of the past happiest offenses in the NFL. They run a lot of 11 personnel, which means Quentin Johnson is going to see probably one of the highest rates of a wide receiver three being on the field. He's going to earn the one of the highest snap rates, which I think you and I agree. He might be one of the most talented wide receivers out of this year's rookie draft class. At what point does he start becoming the top target earner in this offense too? If not this year, maybe next year, the following year, I think that in your dynasty leagues, Quentin Johnson is probably my wide receiver one, but even in redraft, I think there is a ton of reason to get in on him. Where do you think his ceiling is? Do you think he can be the top target earner in this offense? Because I do, and uh, I want to know if you'll back me there. Yeah, I think there's a there is a non-zero chance that he leads mm -hmm. this team in receiving yards this year, yeah. or even in fantasy points, rather. Like, Because I think that he also fits exactly what this offense is trying to do under Kellen Moore as the new offensive coordinator, where 
Keenan Allen, as he's getting over 30, is probably more going to be the possession-type receiver for this offense. Mike Williams can be the guy that stretches the field, the deep threat in this offense. But I think Quentin Johnston is going to play this middle of the field, yards after the catch role that Justin Herbert is going to be looking for all the time. That's what this Kellen Moore offense is going to emphasize. And I think that he is just going to be an absolute stud based off what his teammates are saying, what this offense is saying. I think this is the best landing spot of any player in the entire NFL draft from a fantasy perspective outside of Bijan Robinson. But enough is enough on Quentin Johnson. Go draft the man in every single league. But that is another episode of the Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. Don't forget to follow me at Alex Caruso and him at Ben Wolby. Don't forget to tune in every single Tuesday at 2 p.m. for the next episode of the Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. But until next time, don't forget to keep chasing that upside each and every day.